So the title of today's talk is Different Doesn't Mean Weird. And I'm using weird in a sort of colloquial, modern sense. So I'll give you some definitions in, in, in a minute. Let's read some scripture first. Uh, 1 Peter 2, uh, verses 11 to 21. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is, commend it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. I want to encourage everybody today, when they hear the Lord saying something to them, to step out. I'm going to go a bit further than I'm comfortable with. But I also want to encourage you that that doesn't mean you've got to be weird. Because a lot of people associate, they won't perhaps call it being weird. They might call it being spiritual, some of them. They might call it being different to the world. But sometimes we can be acting in such a way as we think as being spiritual, if you like, being faithful to the Lord, doing things in a particular way because that's the way we've been told we have to do it. And I'll explain some of that in a minute. And it's actually counterproductive. So one is, as I say, I want to encourage you. I don't want anyone to feel condemned. One or two people might start to feel that, you know, some of the things I say, they might offend you. But as I always say, if you wait till the end, I manage to offend everybody. And I, don't, I don't mean to offend anyone. But sometimes we feel uncomfortable that maybe we've, had a we've been thinking in a particular way and it's difficult to think in a different way and therefore we kind of react against it. So try and keep an open mind if some of the things start to say, oh, don't know, hmm. I'm not talking about, remember, I'm not talking about being weird. I'm talking about not being weird, but stepping out. All right. When we were quite young kids, I think probably, I think it was primary school, so it would be about, probably be 10 or 11. Me and my brother are quite close in age. And my brother got quite sweet on a girl called Sharon. <coughs> so, little boy crush, really. Bit of a romantic, my brother. Used to talk about this girl in school and thought she was wonderful and everything. And one day my mom came. And I was there and she said, keep away from that, Sharon. Hmm. It's like 10. Keep away from that, Sharon. Why, mom? 
she's a Pentecostal. <laughs> now, my family weren't Christians. My mum used to go to church fairly normally. My dad didn't. We used to go because it got us out of the house on Sunday morning. They could have a lion. Didn't really mean a lot to us, but it was, it was generally okay. They're boring. Anyway, keep away from a Pentecost. And why? Well, it turns out the family... Um, they were they were born again Christians. The family, uh, 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 as I understood it, they were quite traditional, Ely Moore AOG um, type of uh, Pentecostal church members. But the mother, in particular, used to push the gospel down people's throats quite a bit, and so it kind of made them back off, and they were very wary of the family, and that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. You see, quite often. In the church, we have views of how things are that are quite old-fashioned. So, for instance, actually, I'll leave the for instance for a minute. I looked up the dictionary definition of weird. And there's two which are very interesting. First one is suggesting something supernatural or unearthly. Well, maybe, you know, that's not bad. But the, the other one, it said, inducing a sense of disbelief or alienation in someone. That's why I think weird is a good word. Because sometimes we can be a bit weird. A bit strange in the way we go about things. So, I'm walking along the street. This has happened. And the Lord says to me, go and speak to that person that's sitting there. Someone's begging. Go and speak to them about the Lord. And I walk past them. <coughs> not sure, Lord. I'll just go in the shop and I'll speak to them when I come out. They come out and they're gone. Felt bad about that. So next time I determined, yes, I will. I'll speak to someone. And it was actually some years later the Lord spoke to me. So I sat down and spoke to them. Talked to them about the Lord. Talked to them about their life and stuff. And I was okay. What it didn't do was stand over them and go, Thus saith the Lord, thou art a filthy sinner, and thou art going to hell. Repent. And, and with an audience around me or, or people. But you know, I've seen that. I've seen that regularly. I've preached in the street. I've stood up and given my testimony cold with one or two people there, not on my own. Never done it right on my own. That would be, I stood on a planter in the middle of I um, can't remember which town it was was it rugby? yeah we lived in rugby one stood in the, ta- in the middle of the town centre and I preached gave them a testimony told them everything most of the people went yeah right walked past I thought it was quite good didn't bring any condemnation on anybody <sighs> bit futile preached a couple of other times in the street I used to work um, on the south coast um, and I'd go out in my lunch hour and regularly during the lunch hour usually in the summer there would be a group of people there and I will describe it to you tell me if it's attractive okay they would be there and they would preach this is not bringing condemnation and I'm not judging people but what I am saying is we have to be careful about how we, we look at, at things some people call to do certain things for the Lord but sometimes they don't necessarily go about it the right way. 
And I, I would dare to say that sometimes some people are doing stuff out of their own hearts and not what the Lord's called them to do. Yeah, they feel that they've got to do it. They're acting out of some motive like guilt <coughs> or something else. Or they're, they're, they want, want, to, want to do it. So um, these people, they used to have a little portable stand. They get up. The men would be wearing suits. There would be several men. Um, there would be one who would preach and he would have a big Bible. This is not a caricature. This is actually what happened. There was a group of women who stood at the side, um, most of them wearing grey or something like that, and it matched their complexions. They had headscarves on, and they just sat there like that. Nobody smiled. The predominant words were hell, condemnation, death, fire, whatever, coming out of the, the guy's mouth. And there was a small group of people that would hang around. I used to sit there, oh, sit there, stand there, and watch slightly at a distance just in case anyone approached me, but actually nobody did because they had tra tracks and they were a little bit scared, but they felt they had to do it, I think. And they were, they, they were standing around, so it's like a bit, almost like bodyguards, and the man was there, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It made me sad. It made me, in my heart, think that people there think that they're attracting people. And, you know, if, if we think maybe one one per person might get saved. Something might go in their hearts. But how many more would have been saved? If they've been talking about it's God's kindness that leads to repentance. If they'd have done something which was attractive, something that is not something from the 18th century. Because there are other ways of communicating. You know, I was talking to somebody not so long ago and he said the only way that people hear the gospel and he based it on um, one of the verses... Romans 10, 12. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Thank you, Lord. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all who richly blesses all who call on him. For, then he quotes Joel 3, 2. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one who they have not believed in? How can they believe in one, of, one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? The definition of preaching, interesting, two definitions here. The delivery of a sermon or religious address to an assembled group of people, typically in church. Are we doing that now? Maybe, I don't know. Two, maybe we're doing this as well. The giving of moral advice in a pompously self-righteous way. <laughs> I've done these things. I've done these things myself, so I'm not being <laughs> self-righteous. I'm thinking... Uh, did it help, you know? Think of something else. If someone comes and knocks on your door and wants to talk about God, what do you immediately think of? <laughs> do I need to say any more? <laughs> We've knocked on doors, haven't we, Han? Oh, dear me. You always seem to catch them in the middle of the telly. They catch me in the middle of the telly. Jehovah's Witnesses used to come regularly around our house. I'll tell you a secret. He does know now, so I, tell I used to say, see that house around there? I said, that man loves to talk about uh, stuff. You might well say, it's the Baptist minister. I used to send him that. And they go, oh, right. Yeah. And then I'd go out an hour later, and they're still on the doorstep talking to him. Simon, 
I did tell him. And he said, oh, that's great. He said, I'll keep them talking so they don't go anywhere else. <laughs> no one was saved. Knocking on doors, maybe. I don't know if that was ever something. But preaching the street was something that was done years ago. There are other ways of communicating. Preaching on the street is seen as a little bit odd now. Um, you might get political hustings. You might get people in the speaker's corner, all that kind of thing. But it's seen as weird. You know, if we stood up in the middle of the town centre here and started spouting, we might get a few curious people, but most of them would go, they're weird, you know, carry on. But if we listen to the Lord and he says, go and speak to that person, or even if he actually did say, get up and speak. There's a crowd here, they really need to hear about the Lord. Now, be brave, you have to step out and do it. That might not be the first thing the Lord ever asks you to do, stepping out but I'm saying be encouraged to do that but that's not the lifestyle you see the lifestyle is what we read of earlier dear friends I urge you as foreigners and exiles so straight away we're different because we're foreigners and exiles now we're saved we don't have the world's values so that straight away gives us some red lines it gives us some ways in which we behave differently to the rest of the world so we will be misunderstood and it goes on to say that Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. That's what he wants us to do. And then he talks about some very common things. Submit to the authorities. Be a good citizen. And that gives us the platform then to be able to speak into people's lives. Do you get what I'm saying? We don't go around being, for want of a better word, super spiritual. Being forcing God down people's throats. We ease him in through our lives. People see our lives. They see the change in our lives. They see how we're different. I made a mistake. Not the first time. I got saved when I was a teenager. A different, really, <laughs> in that way. I was 16. I uh, went to the youth club, and I'd been going to this youth club or youth group for a while. And me and Han actually got saved on the same night, um, along with my brother, actually. And um, we've all always stuck with the Lord, been a bit up and down sometimes, but there we are, still here, still love the Lord, still, still going. Because it was real. That night it was real. Um, I think one or two people know, the, the, the preacher was a guy called Tommy Cooper. <laughs> um, <laughs> I always say I got saved just like that. Anyway, <laughs> it was a bit, a bit slower than that, yeah. Anyway, give my life to the Lord. And because of the environment we were in, we would go out knocking on doors. So 16, knocking on doors, and not necessarily preaching in the street um, all th that time. But we used to do a few things. And we did invent some other things, which I think some of these things we could do now, we might do now, and have done you know, since. Things like um, a bit of role play in the street. We did one, so once we went to a market, set up a stall, we got permission, set up a stall, and were selling instant salvation. Um, and they were all, they all failed and all this. There were different people in the crowd. Oh, I've won. Oh, I failed. Got so, it was so realistic that two of the market traders tried to pull our stall away because we didn't have a license. <laughs> it was great fun. So we, were, we preached through that. We preached through the role play. And that, that was, people could see that because people did regular role play. The local theatre would do something in the street. It's what is not acceptable in society, but what is not out of place that it makes you look like you're something really odd. 
does what it says there, alienates people. What we're trying to do is attract people by our lives and then we get the right, if you like, to do something weird every now and again. Because the Lord tells us to do something different. To get up and say broccoli in a service. And some of you know that story. The man got up and said broccoli in the service. The Lord said, speak to me. Get up and say broccoli in the service. It was a big service, big meeting. He got up, said broccoli. The Lord says this, broccoli. I don't know how Andy would have coped with that one. <laughs> Anyone got the interpretation of that? Uh, yeah? Following night, a man got up. He said, I got saved last night. He said, I didn't want to come to the meeting, but I came to the meeting. And I said, Lord, if you're real, get someone to get up and say broccoli. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it happens. It's being obedient, it's hearing the Lord, it's walking with the Lord. And when he says do something odd, we've got the opportunity to do the odd thing. But most of the time, we live our lives and people know who we are. People trust us. People come to open door. They come because they're in need or they want something or they just want some company and they get that. But then we get the opportunity to pray for them. We don't generally pray for people, you know, in other circumstances. In church we do, in our meetings. But generally speaking, unless it's some sort of formal prayer, the beginning of some civic service or something, we don't, but we can pray for people in quite an intimate way. Cap, we pray for people. Some churches don't. We know one or two others that do a similar thing to Open Door, but they don't pray. To us, it's important that we pray. It's important that people know that it's come from our hearts, from the Lord. Very few people refuse, yeah? The same with Cap. You know, I've been out on several sort of things as a supporter, and I, I, the only I only remember one person that has refused prayer. And a lot of people, that, you know, most of the people, they're not Christians. They don't want to, you know, if you just went in and said, we're going to pray for you. No, but once you've been through talking to them, telling them about the love of God, telling them this is why we're here, most people are happy to be prayed for because we've shown it in our lives, even in that brief instant. So it's the way we live our lives. It's being good citizens. It's being kind to people, kind to one another, looking after one another, and then, suddenly, we go out and do it. We don't live, because sometimes it can be a mask. It can be something, you know, it's my ministry to be weird. Some ministries, I said, are man-made rather than God-given, frankly. And the way you tell the difference is the results. If the Lord's in it, you'll see fruit. I don't mean like the man who said, of course I love my wife. I told her once in 1962 and once in 1989. Of course she knows. It's not that. So it's the same with, of course this is a fantastic ministry. Someone got saved in 1962 and another one in 1989. You know what I mean? Look at the fruit. If the Lord's in it, there'll be fruit. If he's not, you have to question. And I know some people do support some people, like itinerant ministries and things like that. And I'm sure that you've checked that and the people are getting saved every week, or whatever the ministry is. But, you know, I was talking to someone who I really trust, actually, uh, who we've had over here as a guy who has a prophetic ministry. And his ministry is, it does speak into people's lives. 
It's not just uh, something that is, uh, uh, you know, looking at the person sort of almost doing a bit of fortune telling type of thing or, or whatever, which can happen, or just something so general it could apply to anything. The guy really does hear from the Lord. So I trust him. And he has a ministry in this country, in the United States, Canada, lots of places. And I said to him, a few years back, you know, I see a lot of things, see things on the internet particularly, but some well-known names sometimes. And to me, they seem like this. And he agreed with me that probably 90% of it is just made up. It's just people saying stuff. And I took that from a man of authority. You know, a lot of stuff, uh, particularly things where they're proclaiming end time stuff and all that, you can just, just say forget that. You know, because the word is quite clear on that. Don't do it. What you need to know is in the word. Things like that sometimes I believe are, as I say, people making a ministry for themselves. Remember a few years ago, they had people that were releasing people from um, backward masking on records and things where you know, the Beatles and other people were experimenting a little bit with putting words on backwards on the thing. On tape, and you know, different people will come and say yes, yes, yes. And seen something recently about you know people. I can see the now that person there's been has heard this, has uh, watched all the Harry Potter films and that one, uh, whatever. I won't say anything about it, but sometimes I think these things are a little bit over the top. My opinion. Some of you may have different views. If you're offended, on the queue. This is the mistake I made. I got saved. God, was that got a bit distracted there. Um, I got saved in uh, in the summer holidays in August. I went back to school in September, and I felt that I had to do what everybody else does and have something that identifies me as a Christian. So not for me a little discreet cross or a dove or something like that. No, I had a badge, and it said this. It is by grace you've been saved. <laughs> Through faith. Not all of this, but the rest of it. They said that first bit. And this is not from yourselves. This is Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. I love these verses, actually. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepares in advance for us to do. It's got the, the balance there. It's by faith. By grace we've been saved. Through faith. To do good works. To do God's work. Good works. And if you want to look up the definition of works, it's not spiritual gifts or something like that. It's doing God's work. Right? And that can be quite physical sometimes. You know, we go there, we do it. Um, we talk to people, we help them. But I had this thing on, it said, it, it was reasonably large, but not that big, on my blazer. And do you know what the translation of that was? Punch me. Because that's what happened. <laughs> I was not one at school for standing by and letting people bully people, me in particular. I, I hated bullies, still do. So I'd go for them, even though I could get my brains knocked out sometimes. But I just used to do that. So I stopped. I stopped because I got saved. And I sort of, so it was kind of like, well, it says here, punch me. I'm not going to punch you back, you know. So... I had a few black eyes and bits and pieces like that. 
But you know, the, the good thing was, there was this lad, and he was, you know when you get in school, you get some who are a bit more mature than others? Well, this lad, he was like 16, 17, but he looked like he was about 35, you know, stubble, everything. His name was, his name was Ray. And for some reason, he suddenly decided to take me under his wing. I got beaten up on the way home from school, lost a few teeth, and um, various things. And uh, he walked home with me from school, even though it was a bit out of his way a few times. And then he, he, he used to sort of protect me. I, I could protect myself to an extent, but no one would stand against this guy. So, you know, so, hey, thank you very much. And for some reason, for the next 18 months, he was like my mate. There was no other Christian in, in, in the sixth form at all. And uh, he wasn't a Christian. The postscript to that was he went to university, uh, as, as several of us did. He went to university, and the first day he was there, uh, this guy comes out from the room next door, because he's in the dormitory his first, w- first year, comes out from the room next door and says, uh, Hi, I'm a born-again Christian. And he said, I, I was totally taken aback, he said, because I didn't think there could be two <laughs> complete idiots. <laughs> and I gave my life to the Lord that week. <laughs> and I've seen him since, not for a long time, because it was up in Liverpool, but he gave his life to the Lord and he was still walking with the Lord. The Lord provided someone. I was trying to be faithful. But actually, I didn't really need to do that. I could just have been me, just changed, and still got punched anyway. <laughs> but didn't have to advertise it. Maybe I got punched a bit less. And sometimes we feel we've got to do these things, you know. And uh, sometimes it's great, you know, we wear our, what would Jesus do? Bracelet, you know. I'm going to wear my what would Scooby-Doo t-shirt soon. <laughs> um... I haven't worn it for a while. Um, yeah. Do not repay anyone for evil. Right? Uh, sorry, Romans 12 now, uh, verse 17. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Again, what I'm saying is live a normal life, be natural, but be supernatural rather than be supernatural and then occasionally come down to earth. I'm s- what I'm saying is, we live in an ordinary normal world, an ordinary world. I'm not saying be worldly. I'm saying live in the world, in the world, but not of it. And the Lord will prompt us to do the things, to pray for people when we need to pray for them. But we have to stay walking with him. Because the, the temptation then is to say, well, we just walk, we have a normal life and everything, and stay quiet, and actually, we're a bit scared. I'm a bit scared to do things sometimes. I think, I'm going to look an idiot. And there's been a few times, well, I look an idiot anyway, so it doesn't really matter, but there's been a few times when I've thought, I really need to step out. I, need, I feel the Lord saying me to, tell me to do this. And I've done it, and after I think, well, that was great. On a couple of occasions, I thought, I have no idea why that was, but I still feel like an idiot. But I do believe the Lord's speaking to me. For instance, during the week, it just occurs to me, we were, we were driving somewhere. And I'd had a dream the night before, which I'd kind of half forgotten about. And someone in the car said something to me, which were the exact words, and they were quite unusual phrase, exact words that were in this dream that I'd had. But following on from those words, something bad happened. And we were actually driving 
right where the place where we were going to, uh, where, where the, 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 this bad thing had happened. I'm not telling you the detail because uh, it, it was a bit private for, for someone who was in the car. And I suddenly thought, go with me, guys, with this one. I'm taking a different route. We took a different route. End of journey. Fine. Now, I don't know. Maybe I'll find out in heaven what that was about. But I really felt the Lord prompted me. It came right back to me. Quite often, I don't remember dreams unless I feel the Lord's in it anyway. But we took a different route and went and, and nothing. Now, there's a different story I'll tell you about this. When Han and I, when the kids were small, um, went to France, and we actually we were driving through France. We'd been to Italy. We decided to drive to Venice, you know, like you do. Let's go to Venice today, okay? And so we drove, and we were coming back, and it was one o'clock in the morning, and uh, we were we were hit head on in our car by three drunken workers at a nearby oil thing in the middle of nowhere. And there's a whole story about that. We believed that the Lord brought angels and everything there, and we were okay. Now, Hans' mom, who was not renowned for anything really other than having lots of children, was woken up in the night and had a dream that the five of us were killed in a car crash and phoned Hans' sisters and asked them to pray. Now, I'd never known her do anything like that before or since. Who knows? The Lord preserving us? Sometimes we do something unusual. We phone one another at one o'clock in the morning and say, will you pray? Or will you do this? Or I need to come and see you. A bit odd. But sometimes we go on what the Lord's saying. Follow what I'm saying. Does this make sense? Yeah? I'm not giving us an excuse not to do these things, but I'm also saying do them in a way which brings glory to the Lord and gives you a platform to do the unusual when the Lord tells us to do the unusual. Yeah? So being different doesn't mean being weird, but it does occasionally. 1 Corinthians 13. We all know these verses. 1 Corinthians 13 is a chapter about love. Yeah? And it's deliberately put there because it's talking about spiritual gifts in, in 1 Corinthians 12. And 1 Corinthians 14 is talking about how to use spiritual gifts. But the chapter about love is in the middle, deliberately. Because as a preacher I once said, who, who looked like he was ripping pages out of his Bible, but he was actually ripping, um, ripping something out of a notebook. But it was very effective. It's worth doing sometimes. He says, oh, I don't like... I don't believe in spiritual gifts. Oh, 1 Corinthians 12, no, no. Oh, 1 Corinthians 14, oh, no, no. Rip. Oh, dear, there goes 1 Corinthians 13 as well. Yeah? It's about love. Listen to this. Sometimes we skip over these verses. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge... And if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And the point I want to make there is, again, there's the balance. If I, have, if I speak in tongues, if I have the gift of prophecy, if I have faith that moves mountains, if you like spiritual gifts and things, ministry, but then if I give all I have to the poor, works you know gifts works things 
If I have all of those, but don't have love, it's nothing. And that's why I have to remember, it's God's love between us, God's love for people in the world who need to know him. It's God's love for the poor. If we don't have that, that's at the root of everything. And these other things are dependent upon us living a life that is walking with, the God, with God and hearing him and acting. Most of Paul's missionary journeys, he was following a route. He was collecting money for the poor as he went. And there were miracles. There was stuff going on. When the Lord wanted him to go somewhere else, he told him. It was only once. The rest of the time he went in a logical place from one place to the other following a well-known route. And they said, I think we'll go over there. And that night the Lord spoke to him in a dream and said, nope, go there. So it's hearing the Lord, but it's following in the right way and in a righteous way what we do, living the life. So, just want to say, stepping out and being different. Do it as unto the Lord. Do it God's way, not the way people tell you you've got to do it. Do it out of principle, but make sure it's the right principle. Yeah? Do it because God tells you, not because, and make sure it's God that's telling you. If we're being weird, don't do it to gain God's brownie points. That doesn't work. All right? And being persecuted for the sake of the gospel. Remember that first reading we did? How is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? You know? If I wear a big badge saying, punch me, I get punched. I can't go around saying, that's because I, I love the Lord, I got punched. I was trying my best, I know. And it's kind of a bit of a grey area, but... Don't do it out of guilt because someone says you should do it that way. You know, why haven't you been knocking on doors, brother? Someone got saved in 1989. Which is great. If that was the right thing. Well, it was the right thing because it got saved. We did it a different way. It's how we use our resources as well. We hear the Lord. We do some things specifically. But some ministries I think maybe need to revisit it. And don't do it to leave other Christians feeling condemned. I'm more spiritual because I do this. Yeah? Let's be aware of the Lord's leading in our lives. Being a good citizen, being a friend to all, to bring glory to God and extend his kingdom. But let's be willing and ready to step out and be different. I'm not saying be weird, because it won't be being weird. It'll be being different because we'll be doing it in the Lord's strength and under the Lord's direction. So we pray that prayer. We take that action, which the Lord from time to time will ask us to do. And we bring glory to him and extend his kingdom. And we won't alienate people. And we won't find, people won't find us weird. They'll just say, well, I really thank God that you did that. Bring glory to him. Amen. Thank you.